0: The personal is always political, and the political is always personal. You're tuned in to Poppin' Policies with R. Jordan Davis. Welcome to Poppin' Policies, where we break down politics for your cousins and them. I am so glad that you are here. Today in the Situation Room, we have none other than Congresswoman Terry Sewell. She represents Alabama's seventh congressional district and is a native of Selma, Alabama. I was so honored and grateful to sit down with my former boss to talk about all things voting rights and how to restore the full protections of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and advance it. I'm super excited for you to listen to this conversation. So without further delay, let's get into it. Thank you so much, Congresswoman, for, for joining me um, on this second season of Popping Policies. You are kicking off the second season, so I am excited. Um, Congresswoman, just first and foremost, you represent Alabama's seventh congressional district, which includes Birmingham Civil Rights District, um, as well as the Black Belt, And so, Um, How do you ensure that all of the voices of your district, because you have such a diverse um, constituency, how do you ensure that all of their voices are heard in D.C.?
1: Well, first of all, George, it's such an honor to join you today. I am... um just uh, so grateful to see that you're doing so well. Uh, For those of you who are listening, I'm Congresswoman Terry Sewell, and Jordan Davis was a wonderful uh, intern of mine, a former intern of mine, having worked in uh, my Washington, D.C. office as a Seventh Project intern. And so, Jordan, as you No, we always say once team Sewell always team Sewell so I'm so happy to see that you are not only surviving this COVID-19 but thriving in it and having such a wonderful podcast uh, surrounding such an important issue which is engaging young voters uh, to vote. Um, As you said I represent Alabama's 7th District and you know the legacy of this district is the legacy of ordinary people like John Lewis and uh, and Amelia Boynton Robinson and 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 uh, F.D. Reese and so many wonderful people who were really uh, ordinary American, Alabamian uh, citizens who really had the temerity to fight to make sure that this country lived up to, to its ideals of justice and, and equality for all. Um, and they really did change not only this nation, making it a more perfect union, but uh, the whole world. Uh, their civil rights and voting rights movement led to a human rights movement. and as You also know I'm a daughter of Selma, having grown up in the shadow of the Edmund Pettus Bridge. I think that there's no more important civic engagement duty that we as citizens have with our country than the right to vote. It's a fundamental freedom. And so it's so critically important that we realize that our vote is our voice. That's how we exercise our voice in this democracy is by voting. And so uh, how I try to ensure it is first and foremost, uh, as the Congressperson from Alabama 7th Congressional District, just ensuring the legacy of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 is fully restored, is the seminal piece of legislation that I um, drafted and that I have sponsored uh, since the Shelby versus Holder decision in 2013. I'm happy to report that the Voting Rights Advancement Act, which is the uh, H.R. 4, which is the bill that I have uh, led in Congress for the last seven years, um, finally passed Congress. um, in December, uh, elections do have consequences, and uh, the American people uh, went to the polls resoundingly in 2018 and elected a House uh, majority, a Democratic House majority in the House of Representatives, and so uh, as a check and balance to this Congress, um, sorry, to this president. And so I'm just very um, happy that we for the first time, and when you were an intern, we were working on trying to restore the Voting Rights Act uh, to its full protections, Um, but we finally passed it uh, to a vote of 226 to 181. Uh, We even had one Republican join in, but the HR4 is now languishing on the Senate side, so we have to go to the polls and make sure that we vote like uh, our life depends on it, because it does, and uh, make sure that we bring back Uh, Senator Doug Jones, who has been an advocate supporter of H.R. 4. You know, what the Supreme Court did in the Shelby versus Holder decision in 2013 is that it found uh, Section 4b unconstitutional. Uh, Section 5 is a preclearance enforceability section, but Section 4b is a formula by which you determine which states have had a history of voter discrimination such that any changes by that state would require the Justice Department to pre-clear those changes. Um, there used to be uh, 14 covered jurisdictions, the state of Alabama is one of them, and what the Supreme Court said is that we were in 2013 punishing states like Alabama for what they did in the 1960s, 1950s, um, and that surely in 2013 with an African-American president that Uh, voter discrimination and holding uh, those uh, history of discrimination that states like Alabama had for prior acts was unconstitutional. So it really, the Supreme Court charged the Congress to come up with a modern-day formula to determine modern-day voter suppression and voter discrimination and which jurisdictions had a history of that. So my bill, the Voting Rights Advancement Act, has a 25-year look back So it looks back to 1995 going forward. And if there has been a state uh, with localities or statewide jurisdictions of more than 10 adjudicated violations of voter discrimination, um, then that state or that uh, locality would have to seek preclearance before it could make voter changes. Even with a 25-year look back, Jordan, um, over 10 states have had violations, adjudicated violations of voter discrimination uh, more than 10 of them, um, in, uh, in the last 25 years. So we've seen since the Shelby versus Holder decision, just a flurry of states like Alabama, uh, instituting more restrictive uh, barriers to voting. Um, some think that photo IDs, oh, everybody has a photo ID. How is that a barrier? Well, when the state of Alabama uh, does away with uh, Uh, the ID of a federally issued Social Security card, which every American has, doesn't have a photo on it. But you used to be able to vote with a validly issued uh, Social Security card. And now all of a sudden, it's done away with uh, being able to show proof of residence by showing a bill, a utility bill, or by voting with your federal ID, uh, Social Security card. Now you have to have a form of photo ID. And then, as you know, our state, uh, back in the uh, the the spring of uh, 2017 uh, went through budget cuts and closed down DMVs Department yes. of Motor Vehicles, which is where you get the most you know what is the most uh, likely form of photo ID uh, a, a a driver's license and so. We've seen effort after effort to try to make it harder for people to vote. There's no more fundamental right than the right to vote, Jordan. And I just am excited about your podcast and trying to really reach younger folks, uh, the younger voters, uh, and and have them care about the fact that in this day and age, as we are literally seeing unarmed black people uh, on the streets of America die at the hands of our police, and we see this revigorated Effort to really address police accountability, but really what the stem root cause of all of this is systemic racism, institutional racism, and there's no more pervasive form of institutional racism than voter discrimination. Uh, The fact that uh, Many of these restrictive uh, Barriers are targeted at people of color communities of color. And the disabled and our senior citizens, making it harder for certain segments of the population to vote is not only un-American, it's unconstitutional. And we have to fight it with every fiber of our being. And it starts with all of us doing our part. My part, obviously, as a member of Congress, is trying to rectify uh, the uh, Section 4 of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 by imposing a modern-day formula by which we can determine which jurisdictions, which states have had this history, a recent history of voter discrimination, and then requiring the Justice Department to do its part to pre-clear those voter uh, laws. There's no way that the state of Alabama would have been able to institute its photo ID law had we still had the full protections of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, because they waited you know, uh, the state legislature in Alabama, uh, the Republicans took over in 2010. And one of the first things that they did besides have a very draconian immigration law, as if we were a border state, uh, it also instituted these restrictive uh, photo ID law, uh, laws in Alabama, and it waited to institute them until after the Shelby versus Holder decision. It wasn't until June of 2014, that the law came into effect.
0: Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for that breakdown for the listeners. You mentioned about, of course, me interning, and that was a wonderful experience for me. That was the gate opener, if you will, into this world we call politics for me, and it it just opened so many doors, and I'm so grateful for you and The Seventh Project for that. How important is access to um, the proverbial or the literal seat at the table when it comes to politics? And Uh, bringing young people to uh, those seats so that their ideas and their um, experiences can be shared?
1: Yes, well, you know, we live in a democracy that is a representative government, representative form of government. So politics affects every part of our lives, whether it's the school board determining uh, what people, what students and parents, um, you know, what students study in our local um, K through 12, or if it's um, our city government which determines our you know how our money is spent for our public safety for our first responders for uh, the potholes Uh, there's nothing that government on every form whether it's local state or federal government because we have a representative democracy really does affect all of our lives and the sooner we realize that the best way that we can affect uh, our day-to-day interactions with the government, which is everything. Everything from paying taxes to your, uh, you know, your so local services, whether it's the school, or your, um, your track, trash pickup, or the potholes that are on the ground you know, that, that you want to get rid of, right. all of that has to do with a representative government. And so you know, we have the honor of representing Alabamians in Congress, so federal laws. And federal laws uh, affect everything we do, from you know the the minimum speed limits that we have nationally that that, that affect interstate commerce, uh, the 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 you know uh, the, the fifty-five mile per hour speed limit is a federal law, to federal oversight of elections. And that's exactly what the Voting Rights Act of 1965 does. So I just really want to, to I can't stress enough how important it is um, that representative government uh, is um, realized through civic engagement. And the best way that you can involve, be involved in what's going on in your government, local, state, federal, is voting. You're electing people who will hopefully represent your voice at that governing body and making those decisions. And that is how you get a seat at the table. The proverbial table uh, is a table that is limited to representative government. And so we wanna make sure that we are representing people who are accountable, accountable to uh, to the electorate, accountable to you and making sure that the, your voice is heard on the various issues that matter to you. And every issue uh, should matter because every issue directly affects you and your family. and You know, I think when I think about the fact that we're going through this COVID-19 right now, uh, even the laws that we passed to give away stimulus checks to Americans, or we distributed uh, money uh, to the states in order to provide testing and tracing and, and, and the like, and all of that was issued through a per capita basis, per population basis, which is why your census, why you're at home being sheltering in place, you're, sh- you're obviously safer at home if you can stay at home. Make sure you're not only developing your plan of action to go to the polls and vote, but we also turn in our census form. The census determines how much resources come to your to your locality. And when I think about the 7th Congressional District, everywhere from Birmingham to Montgomery to the Black Belt rural counties of Alabama, we need more resources. And the best way for me to be able to provide those resources is that we exercise our vote, that we turn in our census. Do you know that for every census that's returned, one person represents uh, t- at least $2,000 to that locality? So let's fill out those census because that matters. So much is determined by how, many, uh, by how many people live in your district. You know, uh, Alabama is set to lose a seat if we don't turn in our census. So I really hope, uh, and you're talking about the importance of voting, that we also talk about the importance of returning our census. Because all what your vote does, what you're turning in your census does, it guarantees that you and your community have a seat at the proverbial table.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And lastly, you mentioned accountability. I just want to encourage all of the listeners to reach out to your senators um, so that they can push for H.R. 4 to be passed in the Senate, um, because that is how we drastically make a shift from all of the voter discrimination that we've seen and voter suppression that we've seen in these elections. That is how we shift toward a better and more uh, perfect union and more perfect democracy. And so I did want to plug that in uh, for each of us, um, whom, whomever is listening to, please reach out to your senators and push and, and press upon them to uh, uh, support the H.R. 4 legislation. Yeah, union.
1: you know, I, I we have a real world example, you know, um, given the fact that we no longer have the enforceability of the Voting Rights Act, uh, the preclearance provisions anymore. Now you have the NAACP Legal Defense Fund fighting in lawsuits, trying to get states like alabama to do the right thing even during the COVID 19 when we know that it's much easier for people to vote and safer for people to vote by mail or through absentee balloting and um, the reality is that uh, states like alabama have really resisted trying to make uh trying to do away with some of those restrictive requirements like in order to get an absentee ballot in the state of alabama when you make your application you must include in your application to receive a ballot a copy of your photo ID. Mm. And then when you turn in your ballot, you have to have it either notarized by a notary or witnessed by two people. And so when you think about the fact that people are sheltering in place, trying to protect them and save their lives by not getting out there, to have to uh, ask a senior citizen or anyone who lives alone to get out, uh, go to Kinko's and make a copy of your photo ID. And then, oh, by the way, knock on the door to your neighbor to get them to witness your ballot. Those seem to be really draconian measures, given this pandemic where we're living in. And uh, you know, I was very grateful to see that the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, along with Greater Birmingham Ministries and the the statewide NAACP, sued the state of Alabama uh, for three state, three counties: Jefferson County, uh, Lee County, and Mobile County, to uh, allow senior citizens, those who are over 65, in this upcoming July. Primary runoff election to be able to waive those restrictive requirements in face of the COVID. And Judge, uh, judge uh, Kalan, the federal judge, uh, mm-hmm. upheld it. And then it went to the 11th Circuit, and the 11th Circuit upheld that ability. Uh, but of course, what did our Secretary of State and our, our Attorney General do? They spent, they're spending taxpayer money to appeal that. Tomorrow, uh, the, uh, the briefs are due before the Supreme Court in order to determine whether or not. Uh, you know, Alabama has to continue to provide these really hard restrictions in the middle of this pandemic for at-risk uh, populations, like those that are that are seniors and those that are more uh, more susceptible uh, and at risk uh, during this COVID uh, coronavirus. And so, let's keep our fingers crossed. I'm very hopeful that the Supreme Court will upheld the um, the lower the 11th Circuit's ruling and the lower federal court. Uh, uh, you know, rec- uh, um, a decision order that would make it easier to lift the witness requirement and the photo ID requirement for absentee balloting, if only for those three counties and for uh, those at risk populations. At least it puts our foot in the door and hopefully we can crack that door wider and get everyone to the state of Alabama uh to be able to uh, not have to have an excuse in order to to do an absentee ballot. You know, those are things that are just more restrictive and why, you know, why? Why make it harder to vote when we know that uh, the incidents of fraud are so few and far between? There have only been, uh, since 2000, you know, 15 cases of voter fraud. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And that's, you know, that That's not what many of our Republican colleagues would, my Republican colleagues would have you believe that, right. you know, even our president is going around trying to forecast that the biggest risk to his reelection is mail- in balloting. You know, it's a constitutional right to be able to vote. and one shouldn't have to choose between saving their own lives or exercising that right to vote, you should be able to do both. And that's what absentee balloting, and I just want everybody uh, to remember, to really make a plan this year of how you're gonna go about voting given this coronavirus. You really have to be committed and know your rights and more importantly, know where you can get your absentee ballots. And and so I really hope that people will go to the uh, SOS, uh, Secretary of State, sos.alabama.gov. That's our Secretary of State's website that will tell you, um, give you information about how you go about applying for an absentee ballot.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Congresswoman. I heard the bell, so I'm going to let you get back to your votes. Thank you once again for just spending some time with me to talk about voting and how young people can become more engaged um, in the voting process and become more civically engaged.
1: Absolutely. So remember, your vote is your voice. Don't let your voice be silenced in any election. Make sure that you go to, uh, to the polls and vote in every election local, state, and federal. Really important, especially that November 3rd election that's coming up. Thanks, Jordan, for everything.
0: Shout out to Congresswoman for swinging through popping policies to talk all things voting rights. I don't know if you all heard that bell toward the last few minutes of our conversation, but that bell signifies that it's time for members of Congress to vote, to do their job. And in spite of Congresswoman Sewell still took the time out to support this endeavor, to support this podcast, and to ultimately support me, I am so grateful beyond grateful to Congresswoman Sewell and Team Sewell for making this happen and making this possible. I owe a great deal to them professionally, and I am so grateful uh, that they are still in my corner. I interned with them the summer after my freshman year, almost four years ago. And they still support me both professionally and personally, and they're like a second family to me. So big shout out to Team Sewell on this one. (laughs) If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to comment, subscribe, rate. I would love to hear your feedback. Also, please be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Poppin' Policies Podcast. Interact with us there. Send us a DM, like some photos. We also have our merch store in the link in our bio. So please go on to our merch store, browse around, see if you like anything. And hopefully you will buy and support us and support the products. And I hope to see you in some Poppin' Policies merch real soon, that would be super dope. So with that being said, do good, seek justice, defend the oppressed. See you next time on Popping Policies with R. Jordan Davis.